Hey, good morning, everybody. I want to welcome everybody uh, who's online right now. And you're like, man, I'm not there with you in body, but I'm there in spirit and also via YouTube. Um, hey, guys, good morning. Are you guys doing all right? The man, was Jesus not rocking your face during worship? I tell you what, I just want to give it up for our worship team, man, for what they do. And I tell you what, when I rolled on the parking lot this morning, and then I saw those kiddos, and they were out there with the signs, and one of them was like, you're looking great today. And I was like, yeah, I am. Thank you. <laughs> but, man, I was so blessed. Um, so let's just honor our rock you. Thank you, guys. That's awesome. Woo! All right, dudes. Hey, my name is Blake, and uh, I am, I'm so pumped. You guys don't even know. I'm like dialing it back about a million right now because I am so jazzed about, about what I get to share with you guys today. Um, if, you guys, if you guys have a Bible, that's good uh, because get ready to use it. We're going to fly through it. Uh, but here's, here, I kind of want to set the stage for you. Um, last week, I don't know if you guys were here for it, but Lana Vasquez was, was here, and she was sharing. And if you haven't seen the message, jump on YouTube, jump on Facebook, grab a CD. Um, it, it was really powerful. But one of the things that she was talking about is where we were at as a body in the spirit. And she was talking about how that we've been going through this time and this season. Life's so much about seasons, right? And we were going through this season where there was just this oppression uh, upon the church and on the body, and people were just weighed down. And, and, and she was talking about how we're approaching that transition time where, we're, where we're, just, we're just getting ready to just break free and that we're going to a new level. And, and guys, I just really believe it. Man, I just really believe that's where we're going, and so that's kind of where I'm at today. I'm going to share, you a mess, share with you a message called Let Hope Arise. And church, I just believe I believe so many of us, our hope tanks have, have gotten low, our joy tanks might be low, and, and I just believe that God is just wanting to just boom. That was an explosion from the Holy Spirit, all right? He's just wanting to blow the top off your hope, that you're going to be hoping for beyond, beyond what you even thought you could hope for. And so if you have your Bibles, let's go to Luke chapter 7. Woo! Yes, those are crazy people, but they're crazy about their love for the Word. Come on, somebody. Verse 11 is where we're going to begin. Oh, man, Jesus is so good. Isn't he good? Oh, tell your neighbor, God is good. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, it might be the most profound thing we say today. So huh, if, you need to, if you're taking notes, write it down. All right, if you're Luke 7, let's do this. Soon afterward... He went to a town called Nain. You're like, who's going there? Who's going? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. He's taking a posse of, of, <laughs> with him. And, and here, here he goes. And his disciples in a great crowd, see, I told you a posse, uh, went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out. The only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Do you guys see where we're at? We're on our way to this town called Nain, and the word for Nain actually means beauty. And so if you notice, there's this widow, so no husband. She's lost her last son, and they're walking away from beauty. Their back is to, towards that glory. And so you have, this, you have this procession of people who are walking downtrodden and whose hope 
is low. Low, right? But how many know that they're about to have a collision with hope? How many of you know that there is someone coming who's going to smack dab collide in their face with the hope of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? And I'm telling you what, there are people here today that your hope tank has gotten low. And see, here's, here is the bottom line, is that, is that sometimes our hope tank gets low. It just does, dude. You want to know when my hope tank gets low? When I take my eyes off of him. When I start to look around and find my hope from everything else. Come on, somebody. When I was lost, when I did not know Jesus as my Savior, and I was walking around, what was I doing? I was trying to fill up my tank with all this other stuff to make me happy. It didn't work then. So why, when I find the reason to hope in Jesus Christ, do then I return back and be like, well, let me try to use this to fill me up. And listen, jobs and people and those kind of things are great, but we cannot reside to find our hope in them. Come on, somebody. Somebody has been looking at, at a life change or just a, or just, or just, or just a situation as their, as their source of hope. But I'm going to tell you today, the only source that we have is the way maker. And he's about to run in to a widow from Nain who's got something dead in her life. So maybe you're sitting here with something dead in your life. Maybe it's a dream. Maybe it's disappointment. Maybe it's doubt. Maybe those things have just weighed you down. Well, I'm telling you what, the way maker is about to run smack dab into you. And he's going to breathe on dead things. He's going to bring to life things that you thought were long dead. Because here's the bottom line with Jesus. Is that if he calls a dream forth in you, he is faithful. Come on. His word is never recalled. He's not an automaker that has to worry about issuing a recall. Because when he says it once, it is the way it's going to be. Come on. So we see Jesus. And behold, the man who had died was being carried out with his mom. She was a widow and a considerable crowd from the town. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said to her, do not weep. Come on, somebody. There's somebody that needs to hear right now, do not weep. That that thing is not dead in your life. That there is hope arising in that situation, in that workplace, in that marriage. Come on, somebody. There is hope rising with that kiddo. There is hope rising up in your heart. And see, Jesus then says to her, then he came up and he touched the beer. So it's like a, it's like a casket deal, right? You're like really worried. You're like, he just said beer in, beer in church. It's like we can say wine in church, but if you say beer, whoa. Keep it spiritual. <laughs> and the bearer stood still. And he said, uh, young man, I say to you, arise. Come on, look at that. What did Jesus do? He looked onto the thing that was dead. And he said, young man, arise. Come on, arise. And you know what happened? The dude got up. Because that's the power in the spoken word of Jesus Christ. It brings dead stuff back to life. Some of you guys have been sitting on dead things and you need to speak to it and release the word of God over it because there is resurrection, life, and power in that word spoken from your mouth. 
You know, so many times we'll speak all the negative things and all the, you know, oh, life is just so bad. I, I'm broke. I'm, 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 I'm health's bad. Oh, my kid's doing that. We will speak and we will glorify that. Now, listen, I'm not saying ignore your problems, but I'm saying realize if you're talking negative about them more than you're talking with the word of life, then you're out of balance. Speak to something, somebody, and let it be full of hope. Okay. Sorry. Just, <laughs> and the dead man set up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother, and fear and awe seized them all. And they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has arisen amongst us. Can I say something right there? I believe I'm looking at a big group of prophets of hope. I believe, that's, you'd see, yeah, that's right, I believe that there is hope raising up in you that you are going to release prophetically in workplaces, in homes, in supermarkets that's going to be life-changing and life-impacting, that you're going to be going out as prophets of hope to the nations, y'all. Oh, that's good. That's a better word than you're recognizing, I think, but I'll go on. I'm playing. God has visited his people, and this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and the surrounding country. See, that widow, when she was taking her kiddo out, there were a lot of lies she was believing. And I'm claiming that any area in your life that you don't have hope in is rooted in a lie. I'm, I'm, I'm going to raise the expectation. Any area in your life that isn't currently glistening with hope is under the influence of a lie. Come on, Holy Spirit. I just release you right now to show areas in our life where we're not glistening. Not as shame, not as condemnation, not as guilt. Father, but as, a, as an avenue for us to brick by brick pull down that wall, that hope may arise. Because see, watch this lady. She was leaving a town. And see, here's what she was believing. My legacy is over. I am all alone. My last son is dead. What do I have to live for? Those are some of the lies that were flowing through that mind. But see, what was the truth of the matter? The truth of the matter was that she was about to collide with the way maker. She was about to see that son that was, she thought was dead was only sleeping. She was, uh, was about to see that her legacy was persevering. She was about to see what the truth of the matter was, but she was rooted in a lie. Goodness, how many times am I rooted in a lie? I just want to share a few little a few little lies sometimes I hear. I'm not loved. But the truth of the matter is that God loved me so much that he sent his son to die for me, to die for you, to die for us. I also hear I'm not worthy. I'm probably alone in that. But do you know that Jesus would rather have been beaten, beaten, and beaten severely than to live without you and to not know you. He thought you were worthy of being beat and killed over. I'm an awful person. But see, the truth is, I am the righteousness 
of God in Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm all alone. Remember on Mount Carmel, we had Elijah and the prophets of Baal, and he was like, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. I don't know why it's a lightsaber noise. It's because I really like Star Wars. But just roll with me. He probably didn't have a lightsaber. No. Check the, check the commentary to be sure, but historians debate it. No, but anyhow, so he's like, he's like slaying like 700 prophets of Baal. And then he's like, he's like running away. He's like, Jezebel's coming. Okay, and... Uh, and he gets, to, he, gets to, he gets to that hole in the rock, right? And he's like, oh, I'm all alone. And God's like, yo, boy, you're not even close. I have like 7,000 other prophets that haven't bent the knee to Baal. And by the way, it's going to be all right. You know, but he got to that point. Like after this massive, like on the mountaintops, you know, and then he was down in the dust because that's what happens. And sometimes we go seasonal from highs to lows. And so we're just expecting if circumstances are great and something awesome's happening, then my hope is like, woo! But if something changes in my circumstances, then my hope's like, ooh. But see, that's not the, that's not the truth of how I have to live or how I can live. I can actually be, woo! And woo! Because my hope is not dependent on anything but Jesus. Come on, somebody. Somebody is given way too much access to feelings, emotions. We're going to get there. Feelings, emotions, and, and, and worries that is dictating their joy and happiness level. But we, Hey, you're not alone because he'll never leave or forsake you. It's too hard. I can't do it. I'm just not. I just I can't. It's too tough. That's the lie. The truth is, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. There's nothing too hard for you. When we partner our faith with him, you are meant to do tough stuff. That's what you're designed to do. You are made to do hard stuff. That's how we're made. And that's the thing is that, is that, is that what is hope? I'm going to condense it, simplify, right? Hope is really an, a favorable expectation of what's going to be. Simple. A favorable expectation. Who or what do we hope in? Psalm 39.7. That's you flipping over there. And now, O oh Lord... For what do I wait? My hope is in you. There's our source of hope. Our source of hope is in our God, the maker of heaven and earth. You know, God in Genesis could have looked out on this, on this planet that was formless and void and been like, nah, I'm going to head on down to Mars. It's got some water. But no, what did God do? He began to release his words fueled with hope. And what did that do? It began to change the environment. Come on, somebody. Sometimes you are spending way too much time being a thermometer of your situation and your environment when you are designed to be a thermostat. What do I mean by that? I mean that what does a thermometer do? It just takes the temperature. But a thermostat sets the temperature. 
I'm claiming that in your workplace, in your home, in every area where you have influence, you are not meant to just take a reading and be the norm. You are called to be a culture setter. Oh, that's good. Take a note. Romans 15, 13. No, I'm kidding. You're like, man, we're just in the Old Testament. Now we're heading to the New Testament. What the who? May the God of hope, the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope as you dwell in Christ and in his presence and hope in his goodness, joy and peace. Do you see that? Joy and peace are natural fruit. As you dwell in the presence of the living God, you know, this is the cool thing about God's presence, is when you are in the presence of the living God, all things are possible. Yeah. And, and as we keep our minds stayed on him, joy and peace just get right up under there. Just walk around with him. What's under your arm? It's not sweat stain, that's peace. <laughs> I'm going to tell you guys a story. Not about sweat stains. You're like, oh man, that's what I was wanting, come on. So uh, I don't know how many of you guys know this about me or not, but I'm an elementary school principal. That's right. I feel the blessing just coming to me. You're like, you're like bless him, Lord. Bless him, Lord. I receive all blessings. But no, I love, I love, guys, I love education. I love getting to work with kiddos um, and that sort of stuff. It's like my 15th year in education, so wow. Yeah, I'm a teenager. Um, but I, as an elementary school principal, uh, May is a really hard month. And you're like, May? That's the end of everything. Exactly. Everybody's checking out. Well, they're done, you know, and so like, and so, but, but someone actually still has to stay checked in. And so like more stuff just rolls to my door in May than any other time. Okay, so this was, this was one of the things that I was saying in May. I'm just going to survive. I'm just going to get through it. 22 more days. <laughs> now I want you to hear something in that. The amount of hope was very minimal. I'm just going to get through it. I'm just going to survive. I'm not created to be a survivor. We are made to do hard stuff. We are made to be overcomers. Come on, somebody. And you know what? When I was in that mindset, I'm just getting through it. Do you know where my joy was? It wasn't up here. It was down there with my hope. Maybe lower. And my peace? Let's not even go there. Okay, so I got up one morning. Uh, I was getting ready to go for a run or something, so I was putting my podcast in. And what should come on but this, this um, podcast about joy. And then all of a sudden, God began to quicken to my mind that I had a dream that night. And in that dream, isn't it weird sometimes just how Holy Spirit is so good to bring things to your remembrance, to give to you what you need in your time of need. And see, God is no respecter of persons. What he will do for one, he's going to do for somebody else because he loves you all. You are all his favorite what about him? Favorite. What about her? Favorite. Well, what about my neighbor? Favorite. Yes, you are all his favorite. So anyhow, so in this, in this dream, I walked into this room. It was an open room and there was a table in it. And, and Jesus bid me come over and sit down with him at his table. 
And he opened up the word and he began to share scriptures with me about joy. <sighs> Guys, it broke me. I mean, because in that moment, I realized that I wasn't, I wasn't experiencing joy. Guys, I'm a pretty happy dude. I mean, like, that's, a, that's an anomaly um, with, with me and how, how we do life. I wasn't experiencing peace. And guys, that's not, that's not where I want to live. But God began to show me it was because my hope was no longer based on him. My hope was based on 22 more days. I think there's some of you guys today and your hope is banking on this situation changing. Your hope is banking on this or on that. And I'm just going to tell you right now, that is fleeting. What's going to happen there is your hope is going to be dictated by a circumstance, maybe by another person, maybe by whatever, by how you feel. And you know what's going to happen? Even if you get that, there's going to be something new that's going to be a circumstance or a situation that your hope is dependent on. We're seasonal, guys. The only constant thing is our Jesus. That is our plumb line. That is our baseline. That is the thing that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And who does not change? And in whom there is no lie. Come on now. I'll show you something. Okay. So uh, Proverbs 13, 12. Let's look at that. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. I want to first tell you, this is not saying when I get what I want, I'm happy. Anybody can be happy. You know what? Anybody can be happy if you get a million well, Actually, I can't. Some people won't even be happy if you give them a million dollars. That's not hopeful, Blake. All right, they would be happy, Jesus. All right. <laughs> What it actually is saying, when I lose my hope, when I stop living out of hope, my heart is sick. That's what that's telling you. There's this experiment back in like the 50s. It couldn't probably happen this way today, but I'll tell you how it happened in the 50s. Um, there was this uh, guy, his name was, I think, Carl Richter, and he, he, liked, he liked drowning rats. Uh, and I'm going to tell you why. I know, right? I'm just going to tell you a short story about Carl Richter and his rats. Um, he would take a rat, and he would put it in a jar of water, and he would see how long it would swim before it drowned and died. Yeah, don't share this on Facebook. People will get really up in arms, right? No. Um, we didn't do it. I'm not even endorsing this. I'm just telling you his, his, what, what we got from it. Um, so 15 minutes, that's how long a normal rat would survive without giving up and drowning. Then he would do this. He would put the rat, as 15 minutes approached, he would take the rat out of the jar, and he would hold on to it. I don't know if he would stroke it and call it George. I'm not, I wasn't there. <laughs> Research doesn't say. <laughs> then he would put it back in the jar with the water. 60 hours later, it was still swimming. From 15 minutes to 60 hours, like 240 times longer it survived if at that 15-minute mark, instead of letting it drown, you just pick it up and you hold it. Well, this is what he decided. This was his takeaway, his conclusion. At 
after elimination of hopelessness, the rats do not die. We are created to hope. You and I are created to hope and to carry hope. When we start to believe our situation is hopeless, we're giving up. We're throwing in the towel. And quick. When we release hope, we fall fast. But when we hang on to hope, when we hang on to a testimony that we heard, when we hang on to a prophetic word that we heard, we can make it so much longer and farther. When I hear that God did that for so-and-so, then you know what? My little rat legs want to keep swimming. Because I know that God is no respecter of person and that I am encouraged by, by God working in them. Come on. Yeah. All right, so let's keep rolling. But see, this is what starts to happen. Go to Zechariah 9.12. Is that we live in this culture currently. I don't know if you know this or not, but it's a tad negative and very offendable. It's, it's weird because opinions can now be facts, but facts cannot trump opinions at times. It's really an oddity. Um, okay, but here's, here's what I know. That does not hold influence over my God. Come on, somebody. Zechariah 9, 12. Return to your stronghold, O prisoners of hope. Today I declare that I will restore to you double. Now, I just want you guys to think about prisoners of hope for a second because that's a wild thought. All right, so think about like a prison cell, all right? That was, it was coming out right there on the stage, but you can't see it. It's clear. Um, <laughs> another, <laughs> another synonym would be imaginary. Okay, but anyhow, so just imagine in this prison of hope, nothing besides hopefulness can get in. So let's, let's think about this. Okay, so you walk into work. Now, I'm, I'm prophetically saying that your work is positive and this never happens. All right, but you walk into work and, and, and people are over there just like, Backbiting, gossiping, being negative. Can you believe they cut the insurance premiums by blah, blah, blue? Can you think, the boss, you know what he did? Well, such and such and such and such. All right, so hey, that is making a demand on your mind. All right, because, because see, here's the deal. I'm, I'm walking in there, and maybe I decided I might have a great day. Yeah, it's going to be good. And then you start to hear this. Negative, 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 offense, 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 offendable, 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 and swirling around. Now, here's, here's my choices. I can run back and get in my prison of hope where none of that's going to touch me. I'm not going to let that dictate the level of my joy and my peace and my hope. Or I can be like, yeah, blah, 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 negative, negative, negative. And I can stir that up together. What are you expecting God for? What are you expecting from him? It's a question I ask myself. When you get out of bed in the morning, what do you say about how your day is going to go? Because there's some days I roll out and I'm 22 more days. And I know where that sets my joy and my hope and my peace. But when I roll out of bed and I say, today is going to be a good day. God is going to have something good happening to me. 
And that's my expectation. That's my hopeful setting. That's what I'm going in. I'm favorably expecting to be blessed today. That does something. And then you know what? Then I, I maintain that. Uh, flip over if you have your Bibles. Um, let's go over to um, Hebrews 6.19. Hebrews 6.19. It says this, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steady. Okay, now think about an anchor. All right, you're on a boat and you're out in the deep blue sea, all right, and, and you're coming up and you start to drop an anchor. That's the anchor dropping. And, and it goes down and it's going to hit on rock, right? That's sand. I know, but sand are really just pieces of rock, right? All right, so we're good on that. We don't have to stress that point. So it hits on the sand and then it just holds. And your boat, it might have been going and not slowing down. And it's just holding, right? You're anchored in something. Hope is an anchor of our soul. When you talk about your soul, what are you talking about? You're talking about your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? Okay, so, so how many of you guys know your emotions can be like this? Right? Yeah, okay. I am not ever saying disregard your emotions. Don't pay any attention. Just, just live beyond. You're beyond feelings. You've transcended to a higher plane. All right, we all have feels, right? Do you have feels? Yeah, okay. And, and, but here's, here's my deal, is that my feelings are a really bad master for me. And like my feels can be like, doo -doo -doo -doo. oh, well, that's good. I'm happy. I feel happy. But then, whoa. Nothing has changed, and why do I feel so sad? And then, whoa. And then my, my feelings are like, whoa. How do they look at me? What do they think about me? And my feelings are, that's a whirlwind and a really, really tough way to live life. Come on, somebody. If your feelings are dictating what you do and how, you, how you're thinking and how you're seeing a situation, I want to introduce you to hope, the anchor of your soul that says, okay, storms are coming. There's a situation that's, that's, that's tossing my ship, but my ship's not moving because it's anchored in hope. And where does our hope come from? The maker of heaven and earth who believes in you, who's there for you, who, who only wants good for you. You guys have your Bible still? Let's go to Romans. Let's go to Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 9. That anchor in hope. I love that. Because, dudes, I mean, like, I have lots of thoughts. I'm a thoughtful guy. But um, how many of you guys know not every thought I have is based in truth? I'm, I'm going to do something. I'm going to meddle a little bit. Not every thought you have is based in truth. So part of the wrestle is filtering out what thoughts are going to build my belief structure. What thoughts am I going to allow to frame up my reality? If you let every thought and feel frame your reality, it's tragic. Okay? How many of you guys have met someone before? This is not you. We're talking about someone else. They go to a different school. Okay. And 
you might have like a, a, a weird like interaction and you walk away and you're like, man, they hate me. What did I do? It's just like they're not even, they didn't even look in my eyes. They just like, they like just didn't talk to me hardly. And the person is like super introverted and they like really love you, but they can't like say it because they're just like, they're just like internalized and like being around people and they're nervous and it's like they have to go pee, but they really don't. And so like, and so like you read that situation and you have created a reality about that situation that is false. And then you live in that reality. When you think about that person, you think, oh, they didn't like me. They're just rude. That's the only way someone would like me. They're just, they're just wrong. You know? And you start to build that paradigm. Why? Because you're hearing a lie. And the, at the fact of the matter, our guard is full of hope. Right? And so watch this. Verse 9. Let love be genuine. Let's give them a do-over. Let's have a little grace. Let's have grace for our fellow man. Let's have grace for our work colleagues. Let's have grace for our bosses, our leaders. Let's hope the best, man. Because you know what? You always have a choice. We always have the choice. Today I set before you life and death. Choose life that you and your descendants might live. <laughs> this one's going to get me. In you choosing life, you are building a legacy. You are building a legacy for your family, for your kiddos, for what you're called to be. When you fight those battles and you're able then to create a home that's positive, that's full of hope, that gives your descendants an even greater opportunity that they're not refighting that battle, that they're able to go beyond the foundation that you're building. And we do that for our church and our community as we make the choice to choose hope, to choose life, to say, you know what? I am resoundly not going to choose negativity. I'm going to, no, I don't want it. Been there, done that, bought the stuff, and it was a waste of money. <sighs> Love one another with brotherly, brotherly, brotherly? <laughs> brotherly affection. Watch this. Outdo one another in showing honor. Huh. How about that be our competitive nature? That I'm going to reverence and honor you even more than you're reverencing and honoring me. What if that was the culture of your workplace, of your home, of your church? Some of you are already letting some, a thought in your mind say, that'll never happen. Get behind me, Satan. The moment that I validate that thought and say, yeah, I agree with that, is the moment that that no longer is a possibility in my life. Let's, let's devalue a lie and value the truth. What are you placing value on? Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. I want to share one more thing with you guys. Um, it's Romans 5. 
this one was a real, oh man, it was an uplift for me. I hope it is for you. Uh, Romans 5, and it's, it's talking about something, uh, it's talking about hope and growing hope. Okay, because this is what it says. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Watch this, because this, like, this is like counter what you would think you would do. That's how you know it's probably pretty good. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Can I share something with you about this? I never believe that God causes bad things to happen to me or to you. My dad is a really good God, and he doesn't bring, he does not bring tribulation in my life to teach me a lesson. God is there with me in the midst of tribulation, holding my hand, helping me. He is not a hindrance to my faith. He is a help to my faith. But watch what this says. This, it says that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven's vision for any situation that you face that is difficult is not to decrease your hope, but to increase your hope. Watch it. It says that we rejoice in suffering because that we know that through suffering we grow in endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. So that thing you're in the middle of, that situation, that really tough stuff, God is partnering with you and he's saying this is not going to kill you. It is going to grow you because we're in it together. And then you're going to see, you're going to look back and you'll be like, oh, I made it through that. And when I was in the midst of it, I felt like it was impossible. But when I looked to God and I realized that with God, all things are possible. And I grew in that. And now I look back at it and I'm like, that's so trivial. Why was that even trying to steal my peace? Any of you guys like that? Any of you guys ever, you get past the situation and then you look back and you think, why in the world did I get so upset and so worried and so anxious about that? Because God had me all along. But I believe the lie that I was alone, that this was bigger than me, that this was bigger than God. And so I gave it my peace and my joy. Not today, Satan. Today, I'm gonna believe that there is more hope in God than there is doubt in this world. 